Strong Gospel Rumination Tuesday on this October the 20th in the year of our Lord 2020. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me is Pastor Mark Smith. And today's hymn, uh, which is going to be something interesting, is entitled The Law of God is Good and Wise. It was written by Matthias Loy, who was born in Pennsylvania in 1828. His father was indifferent to religion, but his mother was a Lutheran and made sure that the children studied Luther's small catechism. He then became a publisher and went to the theological seminary at Capital University and ended up being called to a congregation in Delaware, Ohio, some 30 miles north of Columbus in 1849. Some of us know of the Lutheran standard. He became editor in 1864 and in the Joint Synod of Ohio, became president of the Synod in 1860, got a call as professor of theology at Capital University. He's best known being bilingual with German and English, put his talents to work both translating and authoring hymns. And they're very good. The one we're looking at, The Law of God is Good and Wise, is often coupled with the hymn in our hymnal right beside it, The Gospel Shows the Father's Grace. And one of the items that people suggest is when you sing both hymns to alternate the verses as you're going through them. So this is really a hymn for the Pentecost Sunday. But when we took a look for this Sunday, the hymn is going to be Reformation. And that, of course, is a mighty fortress is our God, which we have looked at a number of times. But we decided that the law of God is good and wise is really quite okay for Reformation. And so that's what we're going to be taking a look at today. Uh, Mark Smith, you're on the line, right? Well, you just woke me up. I almost fell asleep uh, during your uh, long dissertation here. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding, Tom. <laughs> you, oh, know, you, you know, you've got, to, you've got to come up with a few more adjectives, Tom. Uh, interesting is, is completely being overused by you. <laughs> try, try something else. <laughs> Everything's interesting. Well, I don't, I don't mean too- to be, I don't mean to be critical, but you might take a look at a thesaurus sometime. <laughs> okay, Tom. All right. Don't get mad at me. <laughs> that was interesting. <laughs> Stanza one. Okay. The law of God is good and wise and sets his will before our eyes, shows us the way of righteousness and dooms to death when we transgress. Now, the reason that this was chosen uh, to be sung for Reformation Day, even though it's for the uh, Pentecost Day, is that really is what the Reformation was all about, is the distinction between law and gospel. 
So in this first verse, what would you say is the use of the law being spoken of? Well, uh, you know, I've I've been thinking of the different verses with that in mind. I think yes. the first verse is more of a general um a general exposure to the law um sets the will before our eyes. I guess it would be um I guess it would be the uh, first use of the law. Yes. Well, that's actually the government's use. Okay. You know where they use that. You're right. I I, I got that confused. The the curb. The curb is really in uh I think it's the the third stanza is where the curb is found, but uh yeah, yeah. Um Well, the ending of this first verse and dooms to death when we transgress. That's the mm-hmm. second use of the law. Yeah. Accusation. Right. Curb is the first use of the law that the government uses to minimize. And then the third use of the law that we'll be getting to is simply information as to the will of God. Mm -hmm. So, frankly, this is really interesting because this contradicts every other religion's use of the law. The use of the law in every other religion outside of Christianity is to demonstrate what you need to do in order to be saved by their particular God. Obey his commandments. Now, here, it's the opposite. It is used to doom us to death when we transgress. Right. So the purpose of the law is to SOS show our sin right whereas the purpose of the gospel is to sos show us our savior yes excellent very good yeah i find that really interesting yeah you know you know what i do i i I know the the different use of the law is mere uh, mere curb and guy but i get the numbers mixed up i think of the i think of its use as a mirror the first thing we get up when we get when we get up in the morning we look in the mirror and that's why i think of it as being the first use but uh curb uh mirror and guide so really it should be in that order yeah that's the confessional order right. curb uh which is the government's use to curb wickedness so that uh, we don't live in a world where anybody can do anything they want. And then the next two uses are the uses by the church Mm -hmm. accusation in order that it's kind of like the work of John the baptizer. He had a baptism of repentance, repentance and therefore he was showing the people their need for a savior and therefore the second use of the law does that by Christians in showing people that they are sinners in need of a savior. Mm-hmm. Okay, stanza two, please. Its light of holiness imparts the knowledge of our sinful hearts that we may see our lost estate and turn from sin before too late. Yeah, that's the mirror. Yes. So it's light of holiness, which means the commandments indicate 
what God expects from a holy individual. But it also, and this is why the law of God is good, it is the knowledge of our sinful hearts so that we finally recognize our lost estate and turn from sin before too late. Now, right. that needs to be explained. What is meant by turning from sin? That's repentance. Very good. Yes, that's, that's Realizing good. that we are lost and condemned, we're poor, miserable sinners, that out of the heart proceeds murders, adulteries, and fornications, and the like. And uh, we need to realize what a lost and condemned creature we would be apart from Christ and realize that Christ is our only way. And that's really important what you said about repentance, because repentance is an act of humility uh, where we say to God, I'm responsible for sin. Nobody else is. Yeah. And it's my fault. And what do we say in our confessions? We're poor, miserable sinners uh, deserving nothing but temporal and eternal punishment. Exactly. And that's why every commandment almost begins with we should fear and love God. The reason we fear God, because he could send us to hell and he would be just in doing that. That's right. But we don't deserve we don't deserve one life's breath uh, on on the basis of our sins. Exactly. So using the law is really important. And everybody understands that they are not able to do what they really desire to do at times. Uh, that's Romans 7 with Paul. The things I want to stop from doing, I'm unable to do. And the things I want to do, it's really hard for me to do those. And this is Paul after he has been baptized by the Holy Spirit. Right. So this Even is the Christian life. Yeah. Yeah, even then. All right, stanza three. To those who help in Christ have found and would in works of love abound, it shows what deeds are his delight and should be done as good and right. That's the third use of the law. Excellent. As a guide for Christian living. Now, a lot of people take that third use and... They it, it's actually works of sanctification, but they think that that has to come before you're justified. Right. In other words, they reverse the two. Yeah. Uh, how do you understand the difference between justification and sanctification? Well, justification is instantaneous. As soon as you come to realize, as soon as soon as you cling to Christ's promises, you're after you're baptized or you hear the gospel and you realize Jesus is my Savior. He has died for me, and He promises me eternal life, and He's the only way. When you come to that realization, justification is instantaneous. You are a justified. Your your sins are washed away, and and God has put on you His robe of righteousness. And this is now, before sanctification, you. Sanctification is an ongoing thing that we, you know, we that we continue. Once we are justified, uh, we live our life in Christ. Right. And the third use of the law 
reveals what God's will is for us. Right. I rarely use the third use of the law in a sermon. Yeah, I know that. Yes, I I realize that. And and the re and if I remember right, the reason why you I do too. I stay away from that too because I don't want to I don't want to risk keeping uh, pulling pulling the carpet of God's grace out from under, under people as they as they walk out the church. I don't when they walk out the church, I want them to know beyond any doubt and to walk out their church knowing I'm a poor, miserable sinner, but thanks be to God, he has washed away all my sins. Yes. The third use of the law often ends up going back under the law. Uh, Remember, I was criticized because I sometimes do salad or French endings. Yes, right. Salad is let us or or may may we. Right. Yes. yes. I watch out for those endings, too. I think maybe the third use of the law is probably best best put in, in the context of a Bible study. Don't you think, Tom? Well, or Lutheran Catechism, because what is the third use of the law is what is God's will for us. And I right. would say that anybody who's been catechized and is a member of the congregation, what law can you tell them from God that they don't already know? It's it's the Ten Commandments, of course. But they already know those, right? If they've been catechized, yeah. And, of and, we and need to what, we need to review that. We need to review that again and again. About the only time that I use third use of the law is in the area of medicine where things have changed so much mm-hmm. that a person will come and say, you know, my uh, grandmother, she's no longer conscious. Um, she appears to be brain dead. Can we turn off the various items that are keeping her alive? There, a pastor can be helpful in giving them advice as to what God's use is. But uh, by and large, most of the other things that we're dealing with in this world, the immorality, people realize that those are wrong. No doubt about it. Well, Tom, I tell you, I still think I still think uh, people need to be reminded. Uh, in this, it, it, we're so much surrounded by a sinful culture in our day-to-day lives. You know, more and more you run into you run into these young couples that you know they they claim to be Christian, maybe even claim to be Lutheran, and you find out they're you know they want to get married, and they, you find out they're already living together. Well, here I there's an example I think of where I think some pastors have failed have failed in imparting the third use of the law to to, to people. What do you think? Would that not really though be when you're talking to them? That's really using the second use of the law because you're telling them it's wrong to live in the way that they're living. That's an accusatory, not just an information. Okay. That, that's why I was saying that it's rare that I talk about the third use because what Christian doesn't know what is right or wrong? That's, that's really hard to say. But in this verse... Uh, works of love do abound once we become a Christian because we now know we love him because he first loved us. 
And therefore, the way we love him is by attempting to do his will. We, we never do it absolutely perfectly because the old Adam always has a self-interest reason behind it. But a lot of times you do do works of the Holy Spirit that are, are found particularly in Matthew 25, the difference between the sheep and the goats. The difference is that of motivation. And that's what God looks at. What's your motivation behind doing the work that you're doing? It's uh, you live your life as a thank offering. It's, exactly. it's in gratitude. Yes. In gratitude for what Jesus has done for me. Yes. All right. Stanza four. But those who scornfully disdain God's law shall then in sin remain. It's terror in their ear resounds and keeps their wickedness in bounds. Now, I would say that's uh, that's the curb. Yes. Uh, the first use of the law, wouldn't you say? Yes, I, I agree with you there. Keeps because, their wickedness in bounds. Yeah, um, bounds would be kind of like a curb. Mm-hmm. And why, why, why do we have curbs so that the car doesn't go up on the sidewalk and hit people? The right. curbs are supposed to stop that. Keeps, and, uh, keeps cars on the road. Yeah, it sure does. Uh, we're, we're traveling to four congregations in uh, Illinois each week, and some of them have done road construction, and they still haven't got the lines up. And at night, boy, sometimes it becomes difficult because you're not sure where the road ends. Oh, boy, no kidding. Yeah, and I've been surprised. It's been three weeks since they put down the new road and they have a center line, but they don't have the lines on the side of the road. Yeah. So they're not really curbing us yet. <laughs> <laughs> so you gotta, you gotta stay on the road there, Tom. <laughs> That's for sure. Watch Stands out for those five. time warps. Yeah. Stands of five. Stands of five. The law is good. But since the fall, its holiness condemns us all. It dooms us for our sin to die and has no power to justify. So the question that somebody may ask, if it condemns us, if it dooms us, if it has no power to justify, how can you say that the law is good? Because it, 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 as a mere... It shows us our sins. It shows us our dire condition. And uh, it shows us that, look, uh, the law will not save you. You think, you think you're a good person? Uh, you think you can earn your own way to heaven? You think you can justify yourself? Forget it. There's no way. Uh, you, we're, we're lost and condemned sinners. We're, we're poor, miserable sinners. But it, it, brings us, it brings us to our knees in repentance and shows us our need, our need for the Savior, and there's only one Savior, Jesus. I, I like your use of the analogy of a mirror. You get up in the morning, you look in a mirror, and your hair is needing to be combed, etc. Your face maybe needs to be washed, your teeth brushed. The mirror does none of those things. All it does is show your status at that time. Yeah, good point. You're right. It doesn't help you at all. It doesn't wash your face at all. It just shows you where the the imperfections are. 
Exactly. And that's why the mirror is good. Mm -hmm. Because in that situation, you can do something about it. But when we're talking about spiritual law as a mirror, you find that you can do nothing about it. I, I really enjoy, we're um, in, in one of the churches using the number four of the liturgy. And it has a very interesting statement at the beginning, you know, where we confess our sins. Uh, let me read that to you because it says the following. Let us first consider our unworthiness and before, confess before God and one another that we have sinned in thought, word, and deed, and that we cannot free ourselves from our sinful condition. Yes, that's right. That is really that, the point to be made. That's right. We, we, that, that's really, that's what miserable means. People sometimes say, well, I'm a... I'm a, I'm a poor sinner, but I don't know if I'm miserable. Miserable entails being helpless, absolutely lost and helpless if left to ourselves. That's an excellent point because every other religion in the world, did you see how I use the word excellent rather than interesting? At any rate, it's an excellent point because every other religion in the world talks about the law in a way that it expects you to start obeying it so you can be righteous in the sight of their God. Whereas in Christianity, no, the law makes it very clear that we're all condemned and it has no power to justify by our obedience. That's right. So six is the last stanza. Okay. To Jesus... We for refuge flee, who from the curse has set us free, and humbly worship at his throne, saved by his grace through faith alone. A lot of good Reformation truths there. You know, note, note that Jesus frees us from the curse of the law. You know, we still, the law is still good and wise, but he's freed us from the curse of the law. Well, a child would not know what is meant by the curse of the law. So how would you explain that to your children? Uh, uh, it's too early in the morning, Tom. You do it. <laughs> oh, the curse of the law is in the day that you sin, you shall die. Surely die. Yes. That's the curse. And therefore, stopping from sin doesn't give you life. No. You're still under the curse. Jesus became a curse for us. And in fact, Paul even mentions an Old Testament verse why Jesus was a curse. Remember who is accursed in the everyone Old Testament? Who, everyone who hangs upon a tree. Exactly. And that's what Jesus did for us. And therefore, we're saved by his grace through faith alone. Uh, do we want to talk about what grace is? Yeah. Sola fide in the Latin. It's faith alone. No, no. Uh, that's it's sola not, gratia. It's not by works. It's not by no, works. No, no. Mark, grace is sola gratia. Sola gratia. Yeah, sola gratia. But uh, faith alone is important too. It's sola fide. Yeah, what I was asking about was... What's the difference between grace, mercy, and justice? 
Okay, let me see if I get this right again. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Let's see. Grace is uh, receiving what you don't deserve. Excellent. Uh, mercy. Mer uh, mercy is not receiving what you deserve. And justice. And justice is re receiving what you deserve. Receiving what you do deserve. What we do deserve, yes. And that's every religion in the world believes uh -huh. that. But we're saved by grace, which means we do not get what we deserve. What do we get instead? Forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. Exactly. Well said. So the law of God is good and wise, although it's a hymn for a Pentecost Sunday it just so happens to fall on the day that we're celebrating the Reformation, and I think it's quite appropriate. If we had more time, we would do the side hymn, also written by Loy, The Gospel Shows the Father's Grace. And uh, those two things should be sung together a lot of times. Yeah. That's the right. gospel right there. Absolutely. Thanks very much. That was Mark Smith. I'm Tom Baker. We'll be, God willing, back next week to have another interesting conversation on a hymn. Tomorrow, we're going to be taking a look at CFW Walther's Distinctions Between Law and Gospel, taking a look at another one of his evening lectures as we move through that. Till then, God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.